The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Ecclesia, I, uh, I'm so excited to share with you. We are in a series that is actually going to be hard to end uh, for a number of reasons. The series is called Tell Her Story, and we're seeking to celebrate the stories of women of faith in both the Bible and in history. And one of the reasons it's hard <laughs> is that every week we preach. So we've been blessed. How many of you were blessed last week by our sister Lisa Trevino, uh, who shared with us? Uh, before that, you had back-to-back weeks with Erica Graham, which doesn't happen often enough, and I know you were blessed by. I got to share before that, and they're letting me share once more, even though I'm not a woman. Uh, I'm getting to share and celebrate the stories of some of these women. and. Uh, And one of the reasons it's hard is that these stories haven't been shared enough. And there are so many women in the Bible and in history. So I was torn with only a few weeks as to who to share with you about. But I had a memory from early childhood of the first woman preacher I ever heard of. I don't know if it was second or third grade, but somewhere around there, they were telling the story of the great woman preacher, abolitionist, Sojourner Truth. And Sojourner is literally, she's one of the most remarkable people that we could encounter. And I spent the week reading biographies and stories, and I gotta tell you, I fell in love with this woman. I'm captured by the way that she lived, and honestly, it's one of those moments where I can't wait to get to heaven and have a glass of wine with Sojourner Truth. Uh, And by the time we're done, you're gonna be in the same boat, and we're gonna be lined up at her mansion to go, Tell us a story about uh, your life and your mission. So um, I'm I'm gonna invite you into that today as as best I can. And the best way to do it um, is to let the professional summarize her story. There's a really short piece done by a biography that just gives you part of the story of Sojourner Truth. Some you're gonna remember, some you learned in second grade but forgot, and some of you are like, who is Sojourner Truth? And in this two and a half minutes, you'll get a pretty good glimpse. Sojourner Truth was born around 1797 in Ulster County, New York. Originally named Isabella Bomfrey, Truth was sold at 11 years old along with a flock of sheep for $100. Sojourner Truth wrote about her life as a child in slavery, and she talked about experiencing sexual abuse and continued beatings and whippings by her slave owner. Truth fled her master in 1826, one year before the abolition of slavery in New York, and eventually became a freed slave. After Truth became a free woman, she had the courage to go to court to challenge the legality of her son being sold into slavery. She was successful against so many odds, which is what makes that court case so amazing. Inspired by religion, she changed her name to Sojourner Truth in 1843. The following year, she joined forces with abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison. Sojourner Truth became a traveling preacher, but also she was an early women's rights advocate, and so she spoke very forcefully for that as well. In 1850, she published her memoirs, and the following year, Truth delivered her famous speech at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention. 
The speech was later retitled, Ain't I a Woman? And it was so powerful in part because it talked about the equality of work that was executed by black people in general, that people who were free and unfree worked just as hard whether they were men or women. Following the outbreak of the Civil War, Truth recruited troops for the Union Army and met with President Lincoln in 1864, who gave her permission to become a counselor at Freedman's Village. Sojourner Truth made a singular contribution during the Civil War. She agitated for black people to be able to fight for their own freedom. Truth continued to campaign for abolition and women's rights until her death on November 26, 1883. In 2009, a statue of Sojourner Truth was unveiled at the U.S. Capitol, commemorating her legacy. Sojourner Truth was one of the gutsiest women in American history, black or white. Excellency, the question I want to ask you today, you can clap, it's, great. it's a great story. How, how do you go from being a woman? I don't know if you heard a couple of things that just, there's piano music behind it, so it sounds sweet when they're saying it. But they said she was born around, right? They're not sure even the year. She was born with no acclaim, and yet she died with thousands of people at her funeral. They said she was sold with 100 sheep for $200. Like, just let those words wash over you. And yet, she didn't let her suffering or enslavement define her. And so today, I, I got five things, I could have come up with more, that I think we can learn from her life. And the reason I am, um, am so enjoying um, celebrating her story is because I believe that she embodies in her life the things that I think may be most challenging to, um, to embody in our faith. Um, it's best articulated in the scriptures in Micah chapter six, right? It's this beautiful articulation of what I think beautiful faith looks like, right? And it, it, they said, what does the eternal ask of you but to live justly? Now remember, justice has got an edge. It's a courtroom, it hurts. Like justice can be um, harsh. But our calling is to live justly to love kindness, and to walk with your true God in humility. Right? I gotta tell you, there are people that love justice and they're just, and they're right about everything and they're impossible to be around. Right? And there are people that love kindness and they're so soft that they don't understand in the real world, some things have to be just. There's this beautiful in Micah 6, this portrait of, what if you live justly, but you also love kindness, and then you walk in your journey with the God that made everything in humility. Now, that sounds to me like a beautiful life. And I gotta tell you, there aren't many lives that you can examine either up close or in a biography and you go, that's that kind of life. But I'll tell you, Sojourner's Truth's life is that kind of life. So what are the things you learn? I got five of them and the first is the most super freaking obvious, but I'm gonna say it anyway because it shouldn't be missed. Ecclesia, hear this. Never underestimate anyone, but especially don't underestimate a woman. It, it won't go well for you, right? You, you will, it, will, it will hurt, right? Because there is something about, anybody recently watched this Steph Curry documentary? 
Just my wife and I, we're the only ones that have watched it. You guys know it's hot outside and there's nothing else to do, right? Are you out jogging all day? What are you doing? You're not watching TV like us. Um, it, the Steph Curry documentary, I couldn't recommend it enough. And it's about the story of him. He's undersized. He doesn't have the talent. He doesn't have any, he's underestimated his whole life. And he just works harder and harder. And I got to tell you, sitting next to a woman that had also been underestimated, that has endured hardship, like you feel it in the room, like don't underestimate me, right? And I, you know, I dare the people that work with her to underestimate her. She will outperform them all, right? Because it's just, it's driven. It's in, I see it in my mother. I see it in my grandmother. I see it in so many of you. And Sojourner Truth embodied all of that. Her most famous speech that was referenced in the video had this passage, and this is how it goes. And it may be some of the best, most powerful writing on this subject that you could find, right? And she says this, she says, and ain't I a woman? Look at me, look at my arm. I've plowed, I've planted, and I've gathered into barns, and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it, and bear the lash as well. So much of her story was about enduring physical and sexual violence. And ain't I a woman? I've borne children and seen most of them sold into slavery. And when I cried out with a mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman, right? Which is where I want to cue that Shania Twain song or something, right? Um, my wife said it should be a different song, but I don't, that's the only one I know about womanhood. So it, it, she, she had a, a sense of courage that was um, hard to resist. And, and even in the places where uh, she was uh, not welcomed because she was a woman preacher, um, she fought back not only with the force of her gifts, uh, but with her intellect as well. This is one of my favorite quotes. She was being accused that women shouldn't be doing some of these things, right? And she responds, right? And she says, where did your Christ come from? But it's good. I'm reading the rest. From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. <laughs> and, and she's right. And this is what you ought to know. And this is what's remarkable. There's so much that's remarkable about this woman. She was not literate. She didn't grow up getting to go to school. She was working as a child. She wasn't literate, but she had the stories of Scripture read to her constantly. She didn't get to read theological works. And yet what I would tell you is that this is a similar observation to some of the great theologians of the last hundred years. Karl Barth is one to point out that it may be a sense of scorn upon a man that God did not allow man to participate in the birth and the participation of the existence of Christ, that it was between God and a woman. That Sojourner had an insight into these great theological concepts, though she wasn't trained in it, and could refute this kind of nonsense, right, in a beautiful and meaningful way. Never, first, obvious, but still needs to be said. Never underestimate anyone, especially a woman. Secondly, and this is what I love about her life, and this is what I hope we get to embody, in matters of justice, never back down. When it comes to justice, Ecclesia, now there are things that are on the peripheral. There are things, I believe this and this is that and great. For your own convictions, 
Just know your convictions may be wrong. But when it comes to the things in the world that are unjust, and I will tell you, there is so much, it's a different day than what Sojourner lived in, but there's so much injustice in the world that I believe the best life you can live is a life like Sojourner that we choose to fight against injustice. I think one of the great injustices of this world is that there are too many that do not have access to clean water or enough food. I don't believe in any way that God created the world and that the world was lacking, that there was not enough clean water, not enough food. I just know the way that it happened is that some of us got a lot and some of us got a little. And those of us with a lot, our job is to share it and make sure everybody gets it. And I believe until every kid is accessing clean water and no longer drinking from rivers and streams, that we ought to be the kind of people that advocate for justice. And this is what I believe, that that's the kind of life worth living, that when you live that kind of life, you've got a bigger meaning, that many of us are depressed and we got sorrow and anxiety and, and there's a lot that's complicated in life. But one of the reasons is that when our life becomes too much about us, and when we wake up, like she did every day, to fight for the rights of others, to fight against injustice. Some of you have been with me to the Holy Land, and there is something about being there and spending time in the West Bank with our Palestinian brothers and sisters, and knowing that actively, land is being stolen from them while the international community just looks the other way. It's unjust, it's not right. And there are places that we have to say, we're going to stand for justice and what's right. In, in Matthew, this is how, um, Jesus articulates it. And this is the life I believe we're invited into. This is a passage that's often misunderstood. I should probably preach on it once a month. But this is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? Now, stop here for a minute. And this is where most of us, I think, we just, um, we pause and go like, I'm tired. And Jesus wants to like sign me up. Like I want a spa day with Jesus. I would like to rest and rest and get more rest, right? And, and then that, this is why his response is so unique. And this is what he says. He says, I'll give you rest. And then the next thing he says is put my yoke upon your shoulders. He says, you're gonna be like an ox and carry a massive yoke. He says, there's work to do. It might appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to your curves. In other words, you're made to do it. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and when you are yoked to me, your weary souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do I think Jesus is saying? I think he's saying there's work, and particularly the work of fighting for justice for people that we are made to do. And when we do it, we're more energized, we have more sense of purpose and meaning in our lives than if we were to focus on ourselves. Ecclesia, I wanna be a part of that kind of community. I wanna live a life like our sister sojourner. I believe it's, it's a gift. In matters of justice, may we never back down. One of my favorite accounts of her departure from her years as a slave uh, was in a short biography by Marvin McMinkle. And, and basically what you need to know is that in New York State, all slaves were being emancipated. And about a year before they were to be emancipated, uh, Sojourner went to her slave owner and said, if I were to do the work of really three people in one year, would you free me a year earlier, almost a year earlier? And he agreed. And she did, it's very biblical Genesis kind of story. She did that work. She did the work of multiple people. 
And at the end of the period, her slave owner said, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to do it. And at some point, she kept working, and at some point, she just said, I'm leaving. But this is what she said about her departure. It was almost a year before slaves in New York were emancipated. She said, I did not run off, for I thought that wicked. But I walked off, believing that to be all right. There's this sense of steadfast determination that I think we all need, right? And she just said, I'm just going to walk the path faithfully day after day. Ecclesia, never under, underestimate anyone, especially a woman. In matters of justice, never back down. And then thirdly, and this one is so key to all of it. And she embodied it so well. I can tell you a bunch of stories. Um, but the way she carried this meaningful mission is part of what made it work. This is what I want to remind you. In all of that, don't get too serious and boring. Be irreverent and with a sense of humor. There's, there's this, life needs a little more irreverence to it. We, we need to be willing to, to thumb our nose from time to time in a way uh, that might even be comedic. One of the best stories of Sojourner happened, I believe, in 1858. She was giving a speech uh, in Ohio. And one thing you need to know is that because Sojourner was such an amazing orator, she was unique in that time among many women. And she was also unique because she was a little bit over six foot tall. She, was, she had a lot of stature. She filled the room. And so there were many rumors that were being circulated, and they would essentially say, in a way to demean her work, uh, Sojourner's not actually a woman, she's a man. And, um, and so these rumors had been passed around, and, uh, but in 1858 she was giving a speech, and a man stood up in the middle of the speech and accused her of being a man. Sojourner then proceeded to unbutton her blouse, and bare her breast to the entire assembly. It was apparently a very convincing case <laughs> that she was, in fact, a woman. Uh, after that, no one else uh, spouted these rumors. It was clear, Sojourner is a woman. Now, for most of us, this is not the point that we need to prove. Uh, but for her, there was an irreverence and a sense of humor. And by the way, there is a precedence. You can read the Bible. There's a prophet that walked around naked for a year. I still don't get it, but there, there's all kinds of stuff in the Bible. You should read it sometime. Um, it, there, there was this sense of, uh, of uh, I'm going to push you in the, the, the ways that will hopefully together um, we can have a laugh. Ecclesia, we should do much of the same. Um, then, Fourthly, I'm trying to keep this short sermon short. I told the nine o'clock, we always told my dad, there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. And I'm, I'm trying to stick to it. Fourthly, this is what you need to know. Um, reading these stories is not always easy, but history is important. Reading history, knowing history, understanding our history. And there is quite a movement afoot in our country today that would love to ignore some of the dark parts of our history. We'd love to just pretend as though they didn't happen. And, and in fact, it becomes so controversial when you speak of it in any way that people are actually afraid to speak of it. We have to tell these stories. This is part of who we are, right? Now, I will tell you, as I read biographies this week, it was hard sometimes. I was reading stories of her torture while I was trying to eat breakfast. It, it didn't feel good. Nothing about it felt good. 
And I get it. There's some of you, it's, in fact, my wife and I are almost exactly the same in so many things. We enjoy the same food. Uh, we, we enjoy the same movies. We enjoy most of the same TV shows. There is one primary difference. Um, and she is like you. How many of you get sucked into shows like Dateline and you just keep, you like, you will watch them. Are there some of you here that are, that you're, I, there are way more of you than that. I've found it's like 90% of you, right? I can't do it, but she can. And I'm like, you know, just turn it on. Like, let's watch a family get murdered. It'll be so much fun, right? And yet, like, it's a thing. I can't do it. There, there are places that, that engaging in violence and sorrow and pain is hard. I will tell you this. If we do not understand this part of our history, we are much more likely to repeat it. I, years ago, I was thinking about um, the generational effect of injustice. If you've been around Ecclesia, I may have shared this story with you. Um, the, the question many will ask is like, if an injustice happens, how long does that injustice last? So I was thinking about a, an injustice in our family. So if you've been around me, you know, you know, my dad and grandfather are both pastors. My grandfather pastored a Baptist church here in town, Antoine and Little York, same church for over 30 years. But like most pastors of his age, he got to the place of retirement and he didn't really have much retirement. He had also spent his uh, adult years caring for his mother. His dad had passed. He'd bought a house for her. He was helping care for her. And his plan was to retire in that house. It was a little country house in Grosbeck, Texas, to renovate it and live there the rest of his retired days. In doing so, he hired a contractor in the church, a guy he'd known forever. He was a deacon in their church. They got a plan to remodel it, be their perfect retirement home. And in the middle of the, retire of the process, right, the contractor came to him and said, the only way I can do this, order supplies, get them there, have them shipped to the country in advance, I need you to pay me the whole thing up front. Right? And he said, it's, it's about almost $90,000. My grandfather was trusting. He knew this guy. And he wrote him a check most of his retirement. You can guess in the story, this guy didn't do anything. He took the money. And what happened was, not long after that, we had to go borrow money to help my grandparents renovate the house. And then they ran out of money a lot faster than they would have with the very limited retirement they had. And we all started to chip in. My dad did the most of it, but I started to send about $350 a month to help care for my grandparents. So, you can tell already in this story, at a young age, I'm sending my grandparents $350 a month. So my question to you is, an injustice like that, how many generations does it play out? Because for me, I could have been putting that money into a college fund for my kids, right? I could have been putting that money away and they would have had a college fund when they went to college. I'm struggling to send them to college still, right? What, what does that look like? Well, what I can tell you already is that, that at least four generations were affected by that injustice. And I would tell, tell you relative to what we're talking, like the problems of slavery, we're talking about a very minuscule injustice comparatively. So again, Ecclesia, we have to be the kind of community that says we can't run from our history. We have to face our history lest we repeat it. And we need to be a people that seek in every way we can justice because it matters most. Then lastly, and this is, uh, I think I've said everyone is the most important. Have I? Something like that? Are you guys with me? Is it 11 o'clock and you have caffeine or not? 
Do you want to hear the last one or you want me just to send us to communion? Okay, I'll give you one more. This is the important one. In the story of Sojourner Truth, everything hinges on one event. It's the day she came to encounter the living God in the form of Jesus. And what she would tell you over and over again is that the love of Jesus and that reality radically changed her life. And it's the reason that she did everything that she did. She describes this conversion experience this way. So the last point is Jesus changes everything. And she describes this conversion experience this way. She said, God revealed himself to her with a suddenness of a flash of lightning, showing her in the twinkling of an eye that he was all over. Now, you got to hear this, Ecclesia. This is good theology. She said, I just began to recognize God's everywhere, that he pervaded the universe, and that there was no place where God was not. She became instantly conscious of her great sin and forgetting her almighty friend. Again, part of what we need to do. Remember, the times we forget God, that we leave God out, and ever-present help in time of trouble. When Sojourner came to encounter that living God, she said she felt fully loved, fully seen, and that in that place of experiencing the love of God, she began to share the love of God with others in ways that are beautiful and remarkable. When she described her work as a preacher, this is what she said, and this is what she did. She said, when I preaches, I have just one text to preach from. And I always preach from this one. My text is when I found Jesus. She spent her life traveling the country, telling the story of when she found Jesus and how Jesus led her to fight for the rights of slaves and women. Now, I think there's a lot to learn there. And Ecclesia, I want to be a part of a community where in the day and age that we live in, we learn some of these same truths and we embody them. Hopefully, with a sense that we'll never bend or break when it comes to justice. Hopefully, with a sense of irreverence and a sense of humor. And the kind of determination, what you don't know about Sojourner likely is that when she finally wrote her memoir, it became a bestseller. And she made enough money off that bestseller to pay cash for a house. A house that she lived in in a community that ultimately, when she died, again, thousands of people were there because she fought for others. My hope and prayer today is that we'll be reminded we're called to the same calling as our sister's sojourner, to share the love of Jesus, the story. If, if you haven't encountered Jesus in a real way, we wanna remind you that we believe at Ecclesia that the God that made everything entered the earth as a frail human and in doing so, chose to embrace suffering beyond what we could imagine, so that through his death, that we could all experience the reality that we didn't have to fear sin or death. We believe, and some believe that our focus on Jesus is narrow. This is what you need to know. There was nothing narrow about Jesus. That, that Jesus' love is and has always been for everyone. And so when you love Jesus, you're called to love and to fight for everyone. And this is the kind of people that we want to be. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.